0: Hello there and welcome back to the Will and Rob show. It is great to be with you all. My name is Robert. I'm a ministry associate and communications director for Ministry to State. Uh, And with me today is is not my usual guest, uh, Will Stockdale, my partner in crime, is off. He he pulled a really tough assignment this week. He is on vacation in the Bahamas. I know that's really sad and hard for him. Um, But we wish him the best. We can't wait to have him back next week um, and hear about his travels. But with me today is a very special guest, um, someone I'm very excited that finally, uh, Chuck, this is your first time on the show, right?
1: I think I think it is. And yeah. uh, of course, you don't want to depend on my memory, but I think you're right. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so Chuck Garriott, the executive director and founder of Ministry to State. He's the reason Will and I have jobs. He's the reason this podcast exists um chuck thank you so much for being on the will and rob show today
1: oh well thank you for allowing me to be here i'm really excited about the opportunity
0: yeah and and i think just real quickly we've got a whole show and and something we we want to discuss um a little bit in a little bit here uh but before we do that since i just introduced you as the one you know the reason why this whole ministry exists i wonder if you could just you know quickly kind of get us through the, the the main highlights how, how did you come to Washington, D.C., and how did you come to start a, min, a ministry like Ministry of State?
1: No, that's a great question in that uh, sometimes um, uh, I, you know, I, want, I, I go back into the history of uh, being here in D.C., and I think about all that the Lord has done. But you know, fundamentally, it, a Ministry to State developed out of the ministry in Oklahoma City uh, when I was pastoring at Heritage Presbyterian Church. And that was from uh, 1983 through 2003. And towards the last, let's say, eight years of that period, got involved in the state government developing ministry there. It was very, very much kind of the backdoor type thing. It wasn't really intentional. It just developed. I won't go into those details. And then in time, uh, it became apparent to me that this type of ministry could be developed not only within other states, but within Washington DC and international capitals. And uh, I believe that if that were to take place, it had to take place out of Washington DC. So Debbie and I, after we spent a lot of time praying and seeking the Lord and uh, visiting and talking with the elders of our church, then we moved out here. Uh, actually, it would be 18 years ago, really, this month. So, yeah, that's a good question.
0: Um, and in that time, I mean, so you've been here for 18 years. Um, Washington is an incredibly uh, fast-moving town, it feels like. It feels like the, the waves come and go in, in pretty quick cycles, uh, whether or not uh, that's dependent on elections or you know, things like that. So in your time in Washington, you've seen a couple of these swings. You've seen sort of the Republican to Democrat back to Republican back to Democrat now. Um, but you've also seen sort of your fair share of uh, sort of national events or like major moments uh, mm. in you know recent history yeah. being in Washington, experiencing that firsthand. We're kind of in our own moment right now with COVID, which is something we want to talk about in a bit, but, kind of what are some things that stick out to you in your time in Washington as sort of moments where when you were ministering to people in government, this seemed to be a really big deal for people. And how did you, how did you work through those problems with people?
1: No, I think that uh, is a significant question. We are in our fourth administration, right? Having come in three, we came in during uh, Bush two, uh, days and, um, uh, so we went through that, and then the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration. And uh, all those are very different and distinct. I I would say, though, that uh, there isn't, I, and this may sound odd, but uh, over those 18 years, there isn't like uh, huge things that come to mind when I think about those 18 years. Now, uh, clearly, every administration has its own thing, but um, it's not like during those 18 years, we went into another uh, significant conflict, you know? I mean, that's rather, and that's kind of remarkable. That's, that's somewhat a significant statement in itself that we didn't start another Iraq war or Afghanistan war or something of that nature. We haven't, uh, we haven't been through that. We, I think that that's somewhat of a commentary on where we are as a country in that we're very slow and are are very cautious in getting involved. It was interesting to me to note that what happened in Port-au-Prince with the assassination of the president there, that the United States didn't just turn around and send troops in as a way of securing and giving a bit more stability to a country that really is very unstable. We could have done that, and we could have said that, you know, if we don't do that, it's going to, there'll be, that whole region will be, unstable. And actually having spent time with uh, some friends in government in the Bahamas, they're, they're a country, a small country, that uh, has to deal with uh, the issues of Haiti. And uh, and there's all kinds of reasons why we could have done it, but we didn't. And I think that's part, I think partly that's because as a country, we're like, you know, we're not just going to jump in in an area and get involved in, in conflicts. And I think that we're much we're just more cautious in that area that doesn't really answer your questions except to accent the fact that i think we're more cautious uh as a country in terms of what's happening within the international community so because of that uh i would say that maybe in some ways it's been a bit more boring than uh, it might have been uh before that so
0: no that's that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, some things like stick out to mind. I, I wonder, you know. um
1: Yeah, maybe if you say certain things, I'll say, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I yeah, like
0: folk like things like the, the Great Recession, um, you know, come out can come to mind. Um, But I guess really the the sort of the, the main points of uh, kind of national moments, I guess, in the last 18 years or so, a lot of that has to do with sort of just. Partisan politics, and so you have like uh, consequential elections, like the Obama election or the Trump election. So maybe it hasn't really been world events so much as it's been just sort of domestic politics in America. But right now, we're obviously going through something that I think sort of transcends a lot of that uh, as a sort of a national moment or a national event, and that is the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, which, so you know, it's interesting this whole. Pandemic, in many ways, is probably something. Obviously, I, you know, many of us will never forget. But something for me is like mm-hmm. started ministry in January. <laughs> <laughs> and then,
1: there we are. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's defined everything for you.
0: And then two months later, uh, in my very first ministry sh- job, we were actually on Capitol Hill uh, the last day that they they had it open. And then it's been very tough to get back since. a Few of us have been have had limited opportunities to do stuff, but very, very little compared to what it was, even for those two months uh, that I started before we did all that. So I guess to kind of kick off this conversation, I'd be interested to know from your perspective of somebody who's been in ministry much longer uh, than me, who started this ministry in Washington, D.C., how have you thought about the COVID-19 pandemic as somebody who ministers to people who work in this sort of policy sphere and as somebody who uh, ministers in Washington, D.C. as such a consequential city? Mm-hmm.
1: No, I think it's right. I I do want to go back to something that you mentioned, if I may, as a a bit of a comparison, and that is that when you go back to what happened in 08 with the, what they're calling the great, you know, recession and economic downturn since the the Great Depression, uh, you know, yes, there was certainly significant consequences for a lot of people, but personally, I didn't see that like as in something where people were in soup lines and were even though unemployment you know was rising, you know, it like if you think about different parts of the country. I mean, you take like Haiti, you know, where you've got unemployment. I don't know what their unemployment is, but there are a lot of places in the world where unemployment might be, you know, 50%. If you go to a place like Haiti, you'll just see an enormous number of people just hanging out on the streets because unemployment is so high. Uh, so incredibly excuse me. It's so incredibly high. And the uh so when we think about just how horrific that was i guess personally i didn't i didn't quite see it that way i also would say that the uh long term consequence of what happened then lasted much longer and when different administrations and people talk about how well they did coming out of it uh at the same time there was a lot of consequences that that, uh, that were felt for a, a very significant period of time. In some ways, something like uh, what happened in 07, 08 uh, was difficult and created an environment of, uh, of, of economic challenge, which meant then that people were losing their homes and having to go through very difficult and challenging economic times. Now we're going through a, a long season of health, uh, what shall we say, um, uh, challenges and and really even more so what what that is doing socially, and there's all kinds of ramifications. There we we've seen how this has impacted things economically, how it has impacted people uh, in terms of their uh, their mental health. Uh, it's impacted families. I'm sure it's impacted uh, marriages, although at the same time. People have been put together and have been pressed together in a way that they hadn't been before. And so I I feel like that there are so many different aspects of this pandemic that we really haven't been able to understand or appreciate or benefit from, but we will in in time. So the bottom line is, is that, yeah, as a country in the last 18 years, we've been through some challenging times. But... Uh, there have been much, much worse occasions. And I'm not, I'm not in any way, sh- shape or form denying the severity of the pandemic. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of reason for, for hope. Now, at the same time, uh, I'm wondering now if people are not a bit discouraged and uh, feeling a, a, a rather low After feeling or thinking, excuse me. After thinking that well, by now this pandemic would have been on the downside, and or we would be on the downside of it, and people would be, um, you know, pretty much over it, and there might be pockets where it's still there, but for the most part, we would have reached. uh, We would, for the most part, we would have reached herd immunity, and life would be going back to normal. But what we've, what we're experiencing is that uh, all the hopes in a sense have been dashed. And now we have the Delta version of it and people uh, getting sick that didn't think they would get sick. I mean, I have stories uh, of friends who have found themselves really, really ill and they have been vaccinated and you know, just went through a month or more of being really sick and debilitated Uh, who thought, oh, this thing certainly is somewhat over. So we've, we've entered into a new phase with the pandemic. And I think it's significant for us to, to recognize that uh, this is, this is a bit wearing on people. And maybe you might say that people are a bit more grumpy and a bit, uh, a bit more disillusioned with uh, the future and not sure, you know, what all this will mean. Now, um, maybe I'm, overstating certain things in terms of what we have. But I am concerned that there are a lot of folks out there that feel like this thing is never going to end. We're always going to be in it. And it's just very demoralizing.
0: Yeah. That that's a good point. Just because what I think, one thing that I hear a lot of people expressing is that um, at least when it looked like we were on the downturn there, for a little bit, um, that okay. There was a lot of conversation about okay, what is, what is this, uh, uh, what is look, going back to normal look like? And I think now, especially as uh, the Delta variant and news about it is is picking up, um, restrictions are going back in place in a lot of places that saw the restrictions uh, loosen up there for a time. Um, I think that the, the conversation has has transitioned to something that's more like um, does new normal look like? What, what is, we're not going back. It's, this is, this is the new reality, um, at least for in, in perpetuity. Um, and so what does that mean? And I think, you know, we, there's so many facets of life that COVID, um, has changed, whether that's the market family and, and, uh, sort of social structures, as you were kind of mentioning earlier, but of course, a big one of these things is the church. Um, and so I've kind of been trying to wrestle with, well, what is this, What does this mean for the local church context, uh, uh, ministries, you know, like places like Ministry of State um, that, you know, require an incarnational approach of being in the halls Mm -hmm. of places that we're haven't been welcome in for a long time. No, we can't even go.
1: I mean, we're really still very isolated. Let me interrupt you just for a quick second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, If we were to go back a year from the summer, right, last summer, and if I would have asked you, Robert, what do you think life is going to be like? next summer summer of 2021 what would you have said
0: i really thought we would have been back to normal by right now maybe i'm being naive um and, but normal in a very in a certain way i mean i would have certainly expected that uh you know for the most part uh we'd be done with masks um and done with you know social distancing uh uh policies i really did think that um uh, or I guess I never really expected uh, vaccination policy to go smoothly. <laughs> um, you guess, did not.
1: You you always thought there was going to be some hiccups there.
0: Yeah, I never thought that the COVID vaccine would be like the polio vaccine. Um, so I, I kind of already expected that that would create some some trouble and some um, issues that might um, keep COVID sort of in the consciousness of people. Mm-hmm. hi that yeah. summer, but I never really expected to be, uh, in a position where, you know, I'm getting emails still about, um, the CDC is issuing guidelines. And so we, you know, we're asking you to, you know, wear a mask, uh, still on the airplane or, uh, when you enter restaurants or at church. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, I think that was the part that I wasn't really expecting. Um, though I sort of, Always kind of knew the vaccine thing might be an issue.
1: Well, but what is it? What isn't it fair to say that, as you projected, you know, and looked into the the next year, next twelve months, again last summer, that you would have said, well, we're promised that the vaccine is going to come like by the end of the year, right? And once it comes, that's going to be like the cure all, and you're gonna, you know, it's going to come out, and it's and uh, people are going to get it, and millions of people will have it every day. And uh, and I think that even let's say as you went into the end of last year, beginning of this year, that you you said to yourself, oh, you know, by June, there's going to be herd immunity. There'll be you know most of the people. There'll be seventy percent of the American people will have been vaccinated, and it's really going to it's going to die. And is it? And and if you think about it, we were down to something like ten thousand cases a day, right? That I think that's about that. I'm roughly. Uh, speaking here in terms of the numbers but somewhere like 10 11,000 cases a day that's really low number like i think now we're back up to like 100,000 and i think the uh yesterday there were over 600 people who died because of covid so in a way people were uh were were right in thinking and feeling like oh this thing will be over by summer uh of this of this particular year and Now it's like, whoa, it's come back and it's come back hard. And we're hearing story after story of hospitals and ERs being uh, overextended and friends uh, really getting it bad who have been vaccinated. And uh, it just seems like it's just never going to end. And I think that there are people, and I have talked to friends as well who have said like, I am so discouraged, I just cannot, uh, I can't believe that we're being locked down again. And I'm not talking about just people in this country, I'm talking about people in other countries who are experiencing you know, this lockdown in a way that they would have never dreamed that they would have to go through again. And I think people are wondering, is this never going to end? So I think that there's opportunities now for the church to engage with their people and with community in a way that we perhaps didn't think would be necessary by now.
0: No, that's a very good point. And you raise a lot of interesting questions. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where um, I guess I never really expected uh, vaccination rates to, to ever reach a certain like herd immunity threshold, I just sort of maybe assumed that um, the vaccine would be available to anyone who wanted it. Uh, but that, you know, obviously, there were going to be a significant amount of people that wouldn't want to take it. And that, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe that's the the extent of public policy in the terms of like, that's, at that point, you have to sort of accept, you know, the fact that, um, uh, you know, either we mandate people get it, or it, it we have to live with this new reality that COVID is sort of a thing. Um, and there's people who have weighed the risks and for themselves and decided, you know, they'd rather run the risk. Now, the question of, of sort of how what that means for how we might do, you know, uh, normal everyday life in the workplace and in the market and in our homes and our churches and things like that, I think leaves a lot of interesting questions. But I think your your point about the overall despair that people are feeling, I think, is, mm-hmm. is really accurate just because um i think people have a lot of reasons uh that you know for why they're despaired um at least that's what i hear from people i think people are discouraged about, about um the overall cases uh in the country and the prospect of potentially still getting sick uh even though they have been vaccinated or maybe getting sicker than they initially thought they would they would get if you know if they did catch covid if you know if, if they didn't have the vaccine um, I think people are discouraged by um, the public policy of COVID and how it's gone and how it seems to continue to go um, mm-hmm. and and don't uh, understand why certain uh, things are being done. I think people are also um, uh, discouraged by uh, the, the friction that comes in relationships because of COVID. Um, I think people have a rough time. Um, having conversations about COVID-19 with sort of cross-party friends or maybe uh, uh, intergenerational conversations about COVID-19, I think can be very difficult for people. So I think there's all these reasons why people are discouraged. Um, And uh, I I think what you were kind of saying, like, what then does the church say? What is our response to people who come to us and, and are just sort of overwhelmed um, and discouraged by a whole host of things.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's true. And, you know, as you were describing the circumstances I was asking myself, is there, is there an argument for the fact that no, people are moving on and they just understand that we're divided on this issue. And so when they enter into a conversation where they realize that the person is on the other side of the question, they just go on. They don't They don't think about it. Uh, is it possible that people are like, yeah, you know, this has been around, it's going to be around, but I'm just going to go ahead and live my life and I'm just not going to worry about it. I mean, is it is there the possibility that I'm overstating the fact that people are discouraged and grumpy and tired of it all? And... They're just not as grouchy and moody as I want to make them.
0: No, I think they're, I definitely think they are. I think it's just, I think a lot of, there's just so many different reasons why people are grouchy. And that's like, that's kind of what I hear from people. I hear sort of like a myriad of reasons. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder like as, uh, ministers or pastors or Bible study leaders or prayer groups that are sort of on the front lines of these things. You know, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, the, the Christian who really is just trying to be salt and light, uh, in their community, um, or in their neighborhood or even on their block, like what is, or I guess, how should, uh, they be equipped to like go out and be beacons of hope, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in a, such a sort of discouraging time, because we have to have sort of, we have to sort of be nimble. Uh, we can't have just sort of one answer because, um, or what I, I what I mean by that is I, I, you know, we have to be able to have a message that sort of meets this discouragement of all these different things. Um, and I wonder w- what does that, what does that look like?
1: Well, let me ask. Let me ask this question as we kind of continue the conversation. Do you believe that as you think about your friends, if you will, just kind of envision the different groups of friends and their backgrounds, et cetera, and let's let's focus specifically upon those that are Christians and that are part of the church. Do you have a sense that they are functioning with a biblical world and life view of suffering, of these kinds of circumstances of a pandemic uh, are, do you believe that fundamentally they're kind of lost
0: when we get into this type of an arena? Oh man, that is such a good question. Um, it's kind of a mixture of both. I mean, there's this sort of like tacit. And I, and I, when I'm talking about this, I'm kind of lumping myself in here too, because I, I kind of feel this tension within myself as well. Uh, which is that there's this sort of tacit understanding that I'm called to persecution and suffering. Um, and at the same time, I really don't want to deal with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um,
1: you, you know, you know, that biblically speaking, that suffering and persecution and, and I, we wouldn't put this pandemic under the category of persecution, but the whole dynamic of not doing well, of of being sick, of having to experience difficult times, etc., is part of the narrative of our of our lives because of the fall. We we believe that we 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 know that, and we know that uh, when God was speaking to Adam and Eve and talked about the pain that they were going to experience, Eve's pain in childbirth and Adam's pain in uh, in, in terms of. Uh, the work that he was going to be doing, the thorns and the, the thistles and all that that means. Clearly, as Christians, we ought to understand that as, as people who live uh, under the fall, uh, under the consequence of the fall, that life is going to be difficult. There is death. There is uh, pain and suffering. And the Bible doesn't uh, in any way, shape or form uh, just run by that and just say, well, that doesn't really matter. No, it's very much at the heart of things. It's very much at the heart of the gospel. And our our Savior, as he comes, he comes as the suffering servant. He comes as the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And he speaks about uh, suffering and the significance of it. And he was dealing with people who were suffering and who were who had diseases and other types of of issues. So we know that that's part of the narrative and we know that the gospel addresses that, but do we find, do we believe that as a church, we're really equipped to articulate that and to apply it to our lives?
0: No, that's a really good question. And I I mean, I'm not sure. I I don't know, you know, how much of this has to do, I, I, on the Will and Rob show, I feel like I kind of always point to the, the boogeyman of individualism that sort of rampant individualism that sort of runs through um, a lot of strains of, of American uh, Christianity, particularly Protestantism. But I think, you know, a verse that I've really tried to, or at least a, a um, principle, I've tried to uh, remind myself of through the pandemic is, you know, this idea of uh, kind of what you're talking about, of Christ, you know, suffering with uh, uh, his people in a, in a fallen world. It's this idea of weeping with those who weep. Right. And so um, I think this kind of goes back to your point, like during the 08 crisis, while, you know, in DC, you didn't really experience the effects of the 08 crisis. That didn't mean they weren't happening. It didn't mean that they, they weren't out there Um, or or you were running into people either at your church or your workplace or your, you know, uh, on your block who were dealing with it. And so um, the, the Christian really, I think, you know, it can be really easy for us to see sort of something like the COVID-19 pandemic. uh, And especially if um, we're not really uh, 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 worried maybe about our own personal susceptibility to the virus or the effects on the economy or whatever. Um, It can be really us us for sort of stand there with sort of like triumphantly and say, um, if you only all had sort of the hope that I have, Mm -hmm. uh, if you sort of believe the things I believe you too could sort of, confront this head on. And I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't sort of a kernel of truth in some of that, but the, the sort of the principle of weeping with those who weep, it sort of takes the, the, uh, the focus on off ourselves and puts it on others. And so um, instead of maybe always trying to like, sort of be the the, the deliverer to every single person that you come across to, but to really sort of come alongside them um, and love them and care for them, uh, in, in the way that the that Jesus Christ did for us, um, I wonder if that's a, maybe a more helpful model, or maybe a balancing model uh, for Christians as they as they approach this pandemic.
1: Yeah, you know, I do think that um, as we think about the pandemic, on the one side, we have to ask ourselves the question: How well are we doing with all the the discomfort and the disturbance? of life, et cetera, uh, relative to the pandemic. And then I think we also have to ask the question, how well are we doing in regards to interacting with our community and the body of Christ, but also our neighbors and doing what we can to be uh, instruments of the gospel in such a time as this. And I I think about what Paul says in Romans uh, 12, where in verse nine, he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So he, there he puts, his, he puts the focus on the community, right? And then he says, honor, what, uh, honor one another above yourselves. So be other-oriented. Uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So he, he speaks about uh, these dynamics and rejoice with those who rejoice and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low uh, position. Uh, do not be conceited. And so this whole dynamic of what's happening in your own heart, but also uh, what really is gonna be telling, what, what the, the test, so to speak, is gonna be the way in which you're engaging with your community and with others. And I do wonder, as we think about how we're addressing and focusing and responding to the pandemic, especially with the resurgence and things coming back the way that they are uh are we really oriented towards other people? Are we so kind of grumpy that uh we don't have room, we don't have time, we don't have the patience to deal with anyone else's suffering, or maybe we're just in a different world, and we say, well. This is just another chapter and we're kind of going on. but I do think that there's reason for us as Christians to be to stop and ask the question, what can I do for my neighbor, for those within the body of Christ that are perhaps uh, suffering in a way that uh, isn't isn't typical and really need encouragement and love and prayer and and uh, and someone to come alongside, and be present. So uh, that does concern me and it concerns me in the way that uh, are, it concerns me personally in regards to, am I, am I doing all that I can to minister to people within my community?
0: Well, that's, that's really good. I mean, I think we're, we're running out of time here. Um, but I, I've just been really uh, thankful for uh, your words here, Chuck, your, your wisdom and your experience in ministry is, is always really Helpful. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, uh, taking, you know, being other oriented, um, focusing on the needs of our neighbors and, you know, way, way, way back in the very early beginnings of this episode, um, we, ha- we had a guest who came on and, and talked about the sort of the historic, um, legacy of the church during pandemics and how the church really rushed into those places, uh, to care for the sick and to care for the needy, um, I think that obviously we live in a different time. Uh, We live in a completely different political, a different cultural, a different socioeconomic context. Uh, But I think that those principles still apply. Um, Where can we rush in uh, and and be uh, 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 hope, uh, encouragement, uh, and also um, people of of love and compassion uh, for those who are suffering?
1: Yeah no I think you're you're right and I think that it begins with us being honest okay this is really where I am and if we find ourselves just totally out of sorts because of of what's taking place we need to we need to recognize that and not not um, diminish the impact that that's having upon our own spirit and our own um, you know understanding of of what's happening But at the same time, then we need to say, okay, so what is the gospel calling me to do? And what does it mean for me to follow Christ, uh, both in terms of experiencing his power within my own life, uh, his own, his working of the spirit in terms of encouraging me and, um, and, and being connected with the ministry that he's given me, but then turn around and say, then how can I encourage others with that with that same gospel
0: for sure. Good words, Chuck. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me on the will and Rob show. I hope this is not your last appearance on the will and Rob show. We'll have to have you on again, uh, for another, another day. Um,
1: well, we miss will and look forward to having him come back and hopefully he won't be too sunburned from, The uh, white sands of the Bahamas.
0: Of course. Yeah. I was hoping. Yeah. A a much uh, tanner Will Stockdale will be on the show uh, (laughs) next week. Um, As always, thank you all for listening uh, to the Will and Rob Show. Uh, You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow uh, Will and I on Twitter. I'm at RD Hassler, Will's at Stockdale. Will, Chuck, you don't have a Twitter. You have no social media. Here I am. There you are. You're off the grid. It's Um, just me. Just me. So if you want to get in contact with Chuck, you should visit www.ministrystate.org.
1: You have to go through Robert to get in contact with me. That's true. You do. I'm the
0: gatekeeper to Chuck. He is the gatekeeper. Exactly. Yes. But always, you can visit us on ministrystate.org. And with that, we'll see you all again next week.